Hi, y'all. This is Barry Corbin. You're listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, the podcast by filmmakers for filmmakers. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Jeff and I are writers and directors and passionate about the art of storytelling. Filmmaker Mixer is a creative hub where aspiring and established filmmakers come together to share experiences, insights, strategies, and inspiration. Today we are at the Austin Film Festival and we are chatting with the writer and director of the new film for When You Get Lost. Hello everybody, this is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast and we have more wonderful coverage from the Austin Film Festival. Today we are chatting with director Michelle Steffes and writer Jennifer Sorensen. They are the team behind the new film for When You Get Lost, which is a really interesting film. I I think it's going to do really well. Uh, It's a great coming of age story about family, death, and beer. So welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. So... First, who came up with that logline, family, death, and beer? That's that's pretty fantastic. Where did that come from? Who did come up? It wasn't me. I don't know if it... I think that part was me. The the whole tagline is coming of middle-age story because I'm I'm not a teenager, so they decided to add that I'm in, I am in my 40s. Uh, 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 family, death, and beer. I think I did the family, death, and beer, but the coming yeah. of middle age, I actually coming think of it was Meredith, Meredith said, our yeah. producer, Meredith Riley Stewart. She's she like, it's like coming that. of age, but coming of middle age. Yeah, which I thought was pretty brilliant. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great that's a great line. So let's start with you, Jennifer. Yeah. Um, tell the audience what your film is about, and let's, let's make it a two-parter. What's the film about, and then tell me how you came up with the idea. Sure. Um, the film is about uh, June Steve Stevenson, who drags her estranged sisters up the Pacific Northwest coast, um, sort of going on a brewery tour while they are on the way up to see their father in Washington before he dies. Um, and how did I come up with it? When right, It's inspired by a real road trip I took right before my father died. Oh, interesting. Um, so I actually did this almost exact road trip that is portrayed in the movie, but I did it by myself. Um, I used to work in breweries, so I would go to brewery to brewery in each town every time I stopped. Um, and I, as I was doing it, um, I thought it was a really cool idea for a movie, a backdrop for a movie. That's interesting. And and did you, when you decided to take that idea and say, hey, this could be a movie, um, how much of your real experience did you pull, or did you just fictionalize the whole thing? Did you take bits and pieces of things that happened to you on the trip, or? No, because I was by myself, and mm-hmm. this is um, the two sisters experience these things together. The the locations that we filmed in, a lot of them were places that I stayed. Like there's a, a, a hotel in Yahats uh, called Dean's Motor Lodge that I actually stayed at on the trip. Um, a lot of the breweries that we filmed in were actual breweries that I stopped at on the trip. Um, but actual things that happened, um, no because it was in the movie there's two people and it was just myself so sure sure makes sense makes sense yeah, and she didn't transform and become a better person <laughs> no no i'm definitely a worse person <laughs> you... because of it so you had to make the movie so you could feel like you were a better person yes yes i tried to you know aspire i wrote an aspirational story for myself if i could make better choices yeah at what point did you connect with Michelle who directed it and what was that collaboration process like? Um, Michelle is married to a good friend of mine that I went to college with and after we had about seven years ago we had um, a big reading at my house um, for a ter- terrible version of the first draft of the script and her husband came home and said how how what potential he thought it had. And so Michelle, being a fellow writer herself um, and a champion of other people, messaged me randomly and just said, I heard your um, reading went really well and congratulations on writing a script. And uh, seven years later, when I got the money to make it and a couple of other directors fell out, I'd always had Michelle in the back of my mind as a director for it. So I called her and I said, would you like to direct this? 
I may have interviewed you, put you through it a little bit, a but little bit. In, in secret, I always just wanted you to do it, uh-huh. but I had to make you work for it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Because that's the kind of person you are. Yeah. yeah. I know. I told you I was a worse person <laughs> and I'm aspiring to be better. So once you got attached as the director, did you uh, have any ideas or any um, uh, revisions that you wanted to do with the script? Yeah. We, we actually... We were really going, like, once she asked me to read the script, they already had a location scout scheduled, so it was good that I wanted to do it, I think. (laughs) Um, uh, And so I was like, yes, I'm on board. I will, like, I will make it work. Um, And then we talked through aspects of the development. Um, You know, one of the things that we really talked about was actually something that I had learned from a seminar that I took here at Austin Film Festival, like, a decade ago when I was here with a short. I had heard, I had seen Michael Arndt's famous ending seminar given here. It's a here. great seminar. It's phenomenal. And it's online if you Google yeah. Michael Arndt Pandemonium. Um, and so we talked about a lot of what he talks about in that is clarifying the philosophical stakes as a separate entity from the internal stakes. I think as writers, sometimes we think about the external stakes and the internal stakes, what the character needs and then what the story needs. But then he talks about what the world needs as the philosophical stakes. So that's something that we really clarified I think in, in our development, we really talked a lot about is about making um, this character of Cammy June's sister, the philosophical antagonist, somebody who is um, against the thing that the character is right about. So in this case, June, the main character, is right. She's very damaged and flawed in a lot of ways, and she's wrong about tons of things. But she's right about the power of forgiveness and reconciliation. And Cammy has to come around to feel that at the end of the movie. So that's something that we we worked on to make the structure and the character work really strong. So were these elements that were already in the script that you wanted to bring more to the surface? Yes. So you didn't create anything brand new? No, Ed, I would say not really at all. I mean, like small things. But, yeah. um, but absolutely, I think one of the things that attracted to me the script was besides Jennifer's like kind of biting wit and dark humor, which I loved, um, was that she really had these elements in there already. And I felt like by just by rearranging a few things, um, by by rearranging when you find out certain reveals, t- so that they were at more pivotal places in the structure, they could be more satisfying and emotional. And Jen was so great at taking those notes. She really got into what what I was talking about and really I was so happy I was actually reading the next draft or maybe maybe two drafts later on on the location scout I finished reading it halfway through location scout and I was like this is amazing you did such a great job with this rewrite so let's circle back to your backgrounds um, and we'll start with you Michelle um, I'm curious how you broke into filmmaking how you got you know how you got started did you go to film school or you uh, just jump out and start shooting your own films how did that happen for you I went to a um, small school in the Midwest and they didn't really have a film program and I um, started I was going to be a journalist I think that at that time that felt like the practical way to be a writer like the um, the way that there's an actual path to which now I think it's actually much harder to be a journalist than it than it was at that time um, but I so I started with like sort of a mass communications journalism major and then I hated my journalism classes and I loved working at the television station because I started doing that right at the beginning I loved the cameras and um, and I decided to try to just twist the major as much as I could to be like film and television related I would turn in papers about the art of the music video for my thesis or I would create videos instead of a paper um, and then I came out 
uh, I did a consortium semester in Los Angeles and I loved it. And I moved out to Los Angeles right away after college and just kind of lucked into my first job um, was for Gary Ross, who um, oh, actually wow. just presented the um, one of the awards this weekend to Lauren Schuler Donner. Um, and he was such a great mentor. He's brilliant with the kinds of things that I love, like big stories with lots of like whimsy and heart. Um, and so that was a great like training ground for me. Yeah. Jennifer? Yes, um, the question was... Uh, how did you break into filmmaking? How did you get started? Did you just, were you always writing as a kid? Did you go to film school? How did, how did you get your career started? Um, I've wanted to be an actor since I was very young, probably like um, fourth grade. I was in a play that someone plucked me out of the class and put me in a play, and I was like, this is, I like this. This is what <laughs> I want to do. Uh, so well, What was the play? It was, I play, it was a Christmas play at the high school, and they needed a little girl to be Virginia, you know, the girl who writes the letter yep. to Santa, so to come out and read the um, letter. And I did that, and I just remember I couldn't see anybody, but I was it was just a visceral, like, yes, I want I want to do this now. Um, so that I, that's when I couldn't do anything else for the rest of my life. Um, and so I did theater all through high school, and then when I um, was choosing colleges, um, I applied to Loyola Marymount University and a lot of others, but I applied to the film school in Loyola Marymount as sort of like, I'll learn how to make films so that if the acting thing doesn't work out, I'll just go make films because that <laughs> seems easier, right? And uh, good, so, good, good, good thinking there. That's yes, good, yeah. thank you. Um, and my dad always wanted to be a writer, and he always pushed me to do um, to want to be a writer and a director. So, of course, I was like, no, I'm going to be an actor. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I took two years of film school and then um, sort of didn't fit in actually I was one of the only girls and I was like I don't I want to go to the theater department where I feel like I was more included um so I did do that I um but I was always told when I was ever in a creative writing class and everything to be that I was a good writer and um, was really creative. So um, I didn't want to be a writer, as I said, but I was put in a playwriting class in uh, theater and I actually was really good at it, ended up being really good at it. So it was always in the back of my mind. Um, and as my acting career wasn't going as forward as I had wanted to, there was this sort of trend that was like, well, write your own thing, like Mindy Kaling, write your own play or whatever. And so I just started writing to so for myself. Um, the first thing that we actually did as a film was a, um, a mashup parody of Orphan Black and um, Orange is the New Black called Orphan is the New Orange, where I play 10 <laughs> characters. I play 10 prisoners. Uh, if you're going to write for yourself, write 10 characters. I did. I was like, I, if you tell me that I need to write something where it's going to look like I'm a good actor, I'm going to write where I play 10 characters, um, clones in prison together. And I did it. And it was a pretty good success. And then so my mentor said, okay, now you're done with the shorts. Now it's time to make a feature. So he knew about this trip that I took and he really pushed me, Ian Michaels, really pushed me to uh, write this screenplay. So um, that's how I, it's, it's like a long, arduous things just happen along the road process. Yeah, and staying with you in writing, I'm curious because AFF is such a writer's festival, what's your process like? Do you do index cards? Do you outline to do treatments? What's it like? Oh gosh, I do whatever someone tells me to do. Like I go, <laughs> how should I start this? I guess I, um, I take a lot of notes, the note app on my phone, if somebody, I'm like, yeah, Taylor Swift does this too, but um, <laughs> it's like she, she got the idea from you. She did. She got the idea from me. We're besties. Um, but I just write down a lot of things that I think of and I just sort of um, let ideas as I'm driving and stuff like that uh, percolate in my mind and I take notes. Um, then I try to just spit out something because I think that's the scariest part, just something really bad. Um, sometimes I've written an outline. I find that 
it kind of hinders the creative process sometimes if you just spit it out and then maybe restructure it later, sort of how we did. That to me is, is really helpful. Um, deadlines are great. Deadlines are, are how you get stuff done. And do you do, do like self-imposed deadlines? I have a writing partner, um, Benjamin Meyer, uh, writing partner, writing accountability partner, and we set uh, deadlines for each other. I haven't heard that before. What does that mean, a writing accountability partner? So I say to him, I really want to get this pilot done. And he goes, great, when can you get it to me? And I go, okay, I can get it to you in three weeks. He's like, great, on Friday on this day, we're going to meet, and you're, or you're going to send me the um, draft, first draft. And what Maybe. happens if you don't do it? Then we don't. It's it's a real respect thing. It's like, oh, well, then when is your when are you going to get the next one? Like you you have to do it and you have to impose it. You just have to be accountable for the other person. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happens when you don't get it to him. I don't know if he's going to come it's, from New York and shoot me, but I just don't. I don't want to let him down. It's just a writer's respect. You don't want to let the other person down because when he wants me to help him, I want to be firm with him. And so, and it it. it it, he helps me work through um, blocks that I have. So it's like, okay, well, I can't get it to you. I haven't even opened it. And he goes, oh, we'll go, okay. So what's one thing you can do? Then just write one page today. It, it helps walk you through the blocks that you put on yourself. That's interesting. You have a that's cool. I like to do that. that with. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. That, that seems like a good, a good, a good process. Um, let's turn back to you about directing. Um, what is your process in directing? So, uh, for example, um, when you're going through the script and you're trying to – you know, you're, you're looking at the page, you're looking at the action description, the, the dialogue, and you have to work with these characters, or rather these actors, to bring it to life. You have to visualize it. You have to come up with a, you know, a look for the film. What's your process in all of those different steps? Well, like in this film, the locations were really important. So I think trying to figure out, it's, it can be hard to really even come up with a shot list or even a plan without the location. So because this was a road trip up the West Coast, I think we were really trying to find out well, where are we shooting. And that, that location scout was great for that because we scouted almost every single thing that we ended up shooting at that happens like in the in the first and second act um and then and then kind of coming up with you know what are key moments are there any it are there any key things where the shot is really important where it's not just regular coverage where it has to move in a certain way we didn't because we had such a skeleton crew we had only 10 on our road trip including the two actors um Th that was your your crew count 10 yeah wow. we called it we called it the traveling 10 mm -hmm. and that was the that was the first phase of shooting that was mainly the road trip and then we had the finishing 15 for the um because then they let me have an ad and yeah stuff we got like an that. ad yeah that yeah. was a big deal um, and then we shot like in LA and Washington. Um, so things like that, it was like kind of um, coming up with what is practical. You know, we have a small camera department. We, we don't have like a dolly, for example. Um, so we're not going to have some sort of, um, you know, long moving shot of things, but just trying to find out where we need to shoot and what we need to emphasize um, dramatically. And do you storyboard? I storyboard, um, I'm not a good drawer, so I do storyboard for more technical things like commercials, like sometimes I'll use like Frameforge and actually put models in the thing um, when it really needs to be super precise. Here I didn't, but I would go over my shot list with um, April Frame, the DP, and then sometimes she would actually storyboard to make sure we were on the same page. Gotcha. I'm curious from either one of you, we've heard from an indie filmmaking team that was shooting a film in the desert that they woke up one day and there was just a layer of snow on the ground <laughs> and they just had to make it work in their script. And I'm curious, you know, they said, you know, in the end it actually made our film even better. It was a happy accident. I'm curious if there was anything like that for you two. 
No, but you're saying that, and that happened to me on another film that I'm oh. producing. Where oh, we wow. woke up. It was in Idaho, and we woke up, and it was supposed to be. I wonder, is it Suffer? Was that the movie? Oh no! no, no, no. Okay, that's so funny. We yeah. woke up the next morning to three feet of snow. And we were supposed to, we were doing um, pickups, so it was supposed to match the summer in Idaho. And we woke up to three feet of snow, but because it's a sci-fi sort of western, it actually made our film better. And it looks oh. like it has higher. It's like a Narnia kind of uh, world, oh, yeah. so it made it our film look actually amazing. So you just blew my. <laughs> that anyway. is interesting. Isn't that funny? Yes. Yeah, we're probably going to have other other filmmakers who wake up to snow. Yeah. So I, I know. Oh my gosh. Weird going on. Um, but what happened that made? It, yes, yeah. lots of things happened that made it better, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about. Um, I mean, if you have an idea, please. Check that I out. was thinking of the one that, that got cut that we talked about yeah. in the um, in the Q and A. Uh, we were supposed to film in an RV park, and we got permission um, for a scene where June comes out um, of. Uh, this man's RV that she had spent the night with. Um, and it was just an RV park, so it was, you know, not very pretty or anything like that. And when we got to the RV park, the residents of the RV park were very angry that we were there and were not going to let us film. Yeah. So we found another space on this. It was like a pullout on the side of the road, which was a, it was the ocean with the Oregon rocks in the background. And it ended up being so beautiful. And the scene was to show um, there was a bunch of garbage outside. So it was like a juxtaposition of where he was living was so beautiful, but he had trashed it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were like, this is way better than what is the production value too, way better um, than what we were trying to do. Um, and it actually told a better story. Yeah. Um, so, so we, that was so we great. cut it. And, and then it. we cut it because we... <laughs> for time. Yeah, for time. We had to cut 45 minutes out of our movie, so there were a oh, lot wait, of did you? What was the What was the runtime on the first cut? Probably 210, 215. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think in yeah. the future, I didn't really realize we were aiming for a 90-minute film, so... Uh, I think in the future I would probably write. I would we would make sure the the yes. script is closer to ninety pages. It was yeah. more like one ten, and that's what, we, that's what we were trying to do. I don't think we realized how much easier it is to like program and stuff if it's shorter. So, but that also was a happy accident because we would have kept it a longer movie, and I mm -hmm. actually think it does work much better as a ninety six minute um, movie. And there were babies that we cut that we love, like. Yeah. I loved some stuff that we took, and it said a lot about characters. But in the end, like the pace, and we, we had everything. We just didn't know we had everything. And so having to get it down to that, to trim the fat that much, actually made it so much better. It's really hard to cut those scenes you fall in love with. Did you, uh, did you work with an editor? I guess I'm, I'm trying to figure out how did you finally make the decision to cut those things? Was it just the two of you and your editor, or did you get feedback from people looking at the film? We got a lot of feedback. I gave it to my writing group early on. They, they saw a really early cut and gave me great feedback on things that were working and not working. Um, we actually went back and did a recut after we locked to actually pull it down some more based on some great feedback that we got. Uh, we had, we we have a, the, I'm not a producer on the film, um, but Jennifer and there's three other producers, Alethea, Ruth, Meredith, Riley Stewart, and Carrie Carlock. And they um, they were all very involved in the entire post process. Um, so there was just a lot of discussion um, with with the, the larger team and, and with some people, trusted voices on the outside as to what to cut. And there were scenes that got pulled in and pulled back out and, you know, scenes that are in there now that at one point were not in there. So it just, it really moved around a lot. But I think we feel really good about where it landed. I'm curious to how you connected with your cast, if you had people in mind before you even started, you know, writing the project or if you just found them over time because 
I'm curious, a two-parter, I guess, first, how you found them, and two, once you had them cast, did you make any script revisions based off kind of where they were going to take the character or, you know, their embodiment of it? Yeah, I, we had, um, when I got the script, Jennifer was obviously attached as the lead, and then we had another actress that Jennifer has worked with before on the movie Suffer that was just mentioned, um, who's a really fantastic actress, and she had written Cammie with her voice in mind. Um, and then uh, we realized that when we were doing the auditions that we didn't... Um, we weren't seeing the fun. Like I think Jennifer kind of knew this particular actress was going to inherently bring the fun. And so it maybe wasn't as much on the page as it needed to be. And we were getting the auditions, they felt very somber. You know, they felt like she's a very type A person and she is, uh, she's kind of very dismissive of June. And so it didn't feel, it wasn't a fun chemistry. And then like we had watched some um, some auditions for Cami, and I had watched um, a sort of a reel of Elizabeth Alderfer and she has the scene in Disjointed which she was on where she doesn't have a tooth uh, like her tooth is blacked out um, for the whole thing and then she does another one where she has this crazy curly wig and she's doing like river dance and she was so goofy with her body but she had given me this very somber audition because that's kind of what was on that was being called for in that scene but seeing the mix of the like crazy funny weirdo that she is mm -hmm. with the somber being able to put this somber shell around it that's like exactly who cammy is and so we we brought her in for a callback and jen and liz like hit it off so much in that in that first audition zoom audition together that they already seemed like sisters and jen made some improv joke and liz broke character for a second and busted out laughing at it and I was like this is her like this is her because she the fact that she thinks Jennifer is funny is important <laughs> and Elizabeth is very funny very funny herself and so I think that bringing that sense of weirdo humor to Cammy underneath this very buttoned up exterior was really crucial yeah it was a good learning lesson for me as a writer though because the so um uh, the, the girl who was I had the voice in my she ended up not being able to do it which is why we held auditions but it was a great learning lesson of like I felt like I cheated you know what I mean I didn't flesh her out in the way because I knew how she was gonna do it and then yeah at one moment we just really we kind of looked at each other we like we need Cammy to be a secret weirdo so we need to find a secret weirdo and we told the casting director that and then she just sent us a bunch of like we need more comedy people and that's how yeah. we had um, got Liz's t um, tape but as far as the other people got that got cast some of them were my friends um, one character named Adam is named Adam because we were, I was like, look, I have this friend and I think he'd be really great at it. And I'm really bad at naming characters. That's why everybody sounds like June Stevens. My name's Jen Sorensen. It's like the same <laughs> name, but I just, I'm not good at names. So we were like, we'll just call him Adam because he'll probably be playing. Anyways, uh, so we auditioned him. We had to audition him because Michelle didn't know him and he was so amazing. And so, but I don't know if we really rewrote four actors afterwards we really had people who really embodied and kind of got what we were trying to say and what their function was in the that's true i don't think we rewrote for i people. don't think we rewrote for people we would rewrite for story but not for the actors they mm -hmm. they really came in and killed it. everybody mm -hmm. got that got cast but we had a casting director that's how we found a lot of people unless they were friends of ours already and people that we wanted to yeah nicole doro she did an amazing job yeah our casting us. director I'm curious uh, when you guys were developing the movie in pre-production, if you had any comps you were insp inspirational, either filmmakers or movies that for writing and directing and just the overall look of the film. 
Yeah, I mean, a big one is Sideways, which is directly referenced in the film. Um, I just went to saw the, see The Holdovers that last night by Alexander Payne, and it really, I feel like the type of movie making that he does is he has a very strong sense of place, always. Um, and he has a, he knows you're crying and laughing at the same time, and I think that that's something that we really wanted here. Another one was Little Miss Sunshine, because it's a kind of a dysfunctional family road trip, <laughs> and it really incorporates uh, humor um, and... Uh, what else did we have? Well, I was going to say, I didn't know about, I didn't know what the movie Five Easy Pieces was about um, until my mentor said, I think Five Easy Pieces is a road trip about him going up to say goodbye to his father before he does to the, like a, a island in Washington. And so then I, I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, it's totally, the structure so crazy and everything like that. But I ended up, um, I wanted to um, make references to that movie in our movie. So we have a couple of shots that are like, I wrote in the allusions. script. Yeah. Allu uh, yeah. What is it? What did you say? Allusions. Allusions. Yeah. yeah. Allusions to the, to that movie. So I wouldn't say it's a comp, but I definitely like wanted to pay homage to, um, that. Yeah. What else? Well, April Frame and I, the director of photography, we definitely watched a lot of road trip movies just to see how they shot. So Green Book was a really helpful one because in our movie, um, Cammie sits in the back seat as if she's like getting an Uber ride. Um, <laughs> and in Green Book, obviously, he sits in the back seat um, because he's it's his driver taking him around. So we looked at how they shot. Uh, those those things the same thing with drive my car we looked at that one too because they said they often sit in the front and the back seat your sister's sister was a big one yeah. for me um, it's a Liz Shelton film that I love I'm obsessed with and it was made for no money even less money than our movie and um, it's also about um, being on the an island in Washington one of our fairy shots is actually they stole a shot we figured out how to do the same thing we stole the same <laughs> can I say that yeah okay we stole the same shot um also it just popped out of my head your sister's sister and um this is where I leave you I realized I reference a lot in the film I'm very obsessed with that movie as well and um, when I went and watched it after we filmed ours I was like oh my gosh I was very influenced by this movie I really really it's also about a father dying so well Michelle and Jennifer uh we really uh wish you the best Best of luck with the film. It's a great movie, and, and I think you're going to have great luck with it. And uh, you've got a great sense of humor, and you're both a joy to talk to. So enjoy your time in Austin, and uh, have fun at the Austin Film Festival. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks. This is fun. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez. Our theme song was composed by the whimsical Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes. 